Okay, here we go. Nice and quiet. Sound speeds, camera rolling. Holding for sound. Last looks. Calling for last looks. And set and action. I need to swap batteries. You know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, the podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Liz Medeshow. And I am Ulrich Brissell. This week, we have filmmakers Derek Presley and Jason Starn to talk about their latest film, Redstone. You know what book really messed me up, and I blame it, is uh, that Rebel Without a Crew crap from Robert <laughs> Roberts. Yeah, I'm 23 years old. Uh, whatever, you know. So, hey, you read a book like that when you're 18, and you're like, oh, God, I got to make movies before I'm 25. Yeah. Right, and then right. That's I would I would go back in time and say just chill out, man. You're not even ready to make a film, not a real, not a good one. You're not old enough. You haven't lived long enough. This is a while back, right? I mean, I remember really liking this conversation, but I'm like trying to pull from the recesses of my mind to remember the experience. Right. Yeah, this was a little while ago. I think it was probably October when we talked to these guys. Um, that's not that long. Maybe time just has no meaning anymore. Maybe, maybe it was September. Two months is is like eternity now. Well, well, they did reach out to us like probably in like July or August. And then it took us a while to get them on the show. Um, but uh, but yeah, they were great. I mean, it was a really interesting conversation because these guys, like you say in the in the show, they like made a movie during the pandemic. They were like, oh yeah, we're just gonna do this right now because why not? We want to. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it turned out well, apparently. And it, the crazy, it's got the craziest story. So, I mean, I feel oh, like you have to listen right. to this thing. Cause like what happened to, to these two guys um, with their, this, with Redstone and what led to what they're doing now or what they just finished doing is insane. So it's a dream. That's <laughs> it's like, a every, dream. it's a filmmaker's dream. Yeah, it's like the crazy. kind of dream that you would have that you would not believe would be true. That's it's like it's like and they oh were that's just a very crazy cool dream. about it. I remember they were like very grateful, but they were also very low key guys. So I remember I remember being like, they like wanting to press them on this, and then they just like kept their cool the in- entire time. Like they're made for this industry. They're not gonna have heart attacks, is what I'm trying to say. We're not telling you what this is, what the big thing we're talking about. So you have to listen. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no, it's a good episode. That's bottom line. It's very good. It's like it's kind of it felt similar to the Emily Haggins episode in a way. Haggins, Haggins. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Emily, if you're listening. Um, because um, it was uh, it's like this like filmmaker discussion that just went on and on. You know, it it felt very like natural and like we're just chatting with some fellow fellow creators, fellow filmmakers. So it was cool. Um, we had to cut it off. I remember we were like, we we have to go now. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, well, what do we want to hear about your films and what you guys do? We're they like, were so uh, nice. listen to the podcast, you'll find out. But yeah, I think before we get to this conversation, um, we've got some, I've got some mail. You have mail. I've got mail. You. You, me. <laughs> Breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You got mail. So this week, we have a listener question from Michelle, who uh, found us from the Just Shoot It podcast. Oh, my goodness, um, which is so awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, I think it was one of the, cro- it was probably the crossover that we did together um, recently. Um, the DP that, one, the one about like, fine, talking to your cinematographer. Either that one or the one before that um, with with when we were talking about the alternate and then you were, ta- what were you talking about? You were talking about Speed of Life, I think, on that one. I don't um, remember. I literally 
It's like not even, I don't remember. What is with my memory today? Anyway, we can move on. (laughs) Anyways, um, Michelle has a question for us. And this is what Michelle had to say. She says, hello, I love the podcast. I started listening after hearing you on Just Shoot It a while back. And I've been listening consistently ever since. Amazing. Um, I'm currently struggling with what I think is a pretty good problem to have, question mark, but it's still a problem. I managed to get the attention of working a working writer director who used to work in development in a mentor type role. Um, I've been trying, I've been working on my first feature script in the genre she works in and she offered to read my first draft and give notes. So obviously I want it to be good capitals, but she specified first draft. So I also don't want to take forever trying to make it perfect. So I'm looking for some advice on that fine line between rushing it and seeming unprofessional um, and how do you, how do you know when your script is good enough to show someone not in your close circle? Yeah. <laughs> Liz, do you have any yeah. thoughts on this? <laughs> I have a few thoughts. I mean, one is, I mean, I hate reading. Um, I hate reading scripts. So like I was trying to put myself in the place of this mentor type role, but this is different because it's someone who worked in development, who's like used to reading like eight scripts a day or something, but because I hate reading scripts, I really want someone to send me the best thing they can send me. And at the very least, I would say Michelle should get one to two friends to read it and just tell her about glaring errors. Because if you're looking for feedback, someone is going to glom onto really obvious things um, because it's easy to glom onto obvious things. So like check for typos, check for grammatical errors, check for, you know, check for structure notes so that all of the time with this mentor is used towards substantial feedback. Um, So I'd say if you can't, if you don't really know like what is the best quality of a first draft is at least get someone to like proof it. Um, And then if you don't want to send it out yet, because this person is going to judge you, no matter what they say, they're going to judge you on the quality of your work. I would, um, you know, try to get it as good as possible. Um, you could just update them. You could just say, like, I want to be as good for you as possible and just let them know constantly that you're thinking of them and that you're going to deliver them the script because um, it's you have to think of it as like one and only opportunity, like the the one and only opportunity for them to read the script. So I would say um don't waste the opportunity, keep up communication, but don't send it if you're not ready to send it. I don't know if you feel the same way. All right. I, I agree with everything that you said. And oh, I, I definitely like the thing that you said about sharing it with three friends because one's probably not good enough. Um, you know, especially if they're looking for typos and grammar, because, you know, in my script, I don't even tell you how many times I proofread it, had two friends proofread it, and then I would still find typos later and still find errors, you know, in the script. So, and especially the longer you work on it, the harder it is to see the, the issues. Um, so after like seven years on my script or whatever it was, five years, um, it's just like, it was crazy. But, um, but yeah, I would definitely make sure that all the little things are, are taken care of because it shows that you care and that you put effort into this and that you're taking this seriously. And it's not like something that you're just treating um, as a secondary thing, you know? So like fixing the small issues is huge. Um, And then, yeah, I think make sure that it, it, there's nothing that's confusing in it or nothing that's simple that can be fixed. And then I think I would say that if you know, you want to fix something in, in the script, fix it now because if you, if you say, oh, like, oh, here's a caveat, I'm going to fix this later. 
it's going to taint the whole feedback process. So I would just make sure that whatever you want to do, that you do it. Um, and that you, I mean, obviously it's a first draft, right? So you don't want to make it perfect, perfect. But like, I think the big thing should all be in there and that you should be, you know, making sure that it's polished enough that you're not embarrassed if like, you know, if they catch a typo or a grammar error, because it's not even, you wouldn't even think of it just as like you, you being embarrassed. It's more like, it's the moment that they can suddenly not take you seriously. And like where they put you here as like, oh, this person's like a really serious upcoming filmmaker or writer or whatever. Oh, they have like 10 like spelling errors in the first 20 pages. Now I don't take them seriously anymore. You know, and you, and that's the last thing that you want. Right. Um, so I don't know. I think Liz and I basically are saying the same exact thing. Right. <laughs> no, but you, you said it great. I said it great. Uh, we're all in agreement. Michelle, tell us what happened. Set, like, let us know when you set the script and how many revisions you made to get it to, to your this mentor. I'd be curious if you listened to us or if you totally disregarded the advice because we're not guaranteed right. And we'd love to hear yeah. what worked out. Yeah. And, and if you like already sent it before we answered the question <laughs> um, and, and I would we'd love to hear to know how it went, you know, did it go well, did it go bad? Um, yeah. And I mean, I love also what you said, just to echo one more time about checking in with them. Cause like, yeah. you don't want to just disappear. Like you want to update them and, and then you don't, it's it kind of be hard to like say, Oh, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it over and over again every month, but like find other things to say within those emails, right? Like update them on other things that you're doing or other progress you're making on different projects if you don't have something ready for them yet. And I'd you know? say you could also appeal to their ego. I mean, I actually do mentor a few films and I do it for the ego. I'm I'm ego-based as a person. And if, I, if they say to me, I wanna make it as good as possible for you and it's really important to me that it's in a great state, like that's a compliment and it gets you off the hook for delivering that week. So there are ways you can kind of communicate this that compliment people and that sounds fun. Well said. <laughs> um, so if you wanna be like Michelle, you can send us a question, comment or suggestion to podcast and making movies is hard.com or if you really like the show, uh, you can uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the places, other places you can leave reviews uh, for podcasts. Talk to us on Twitter. Tell us how great we are or if we need improvement, whatever. You know, if you really, really love us, you can go to our Patreon page and you can, um, you know, give us a dollar, give us $5, give us $9 and you'll get one of our fancy um, enamel pins. And that's at patreon.com slash MMIH podcast. And then lastly, uh, you can jump over to our Instagram page. If you hadn't yet, you can like that or follow that or whatever it is on Instagram. And then you can go to the link in our bio and you can um, subscribe to our YouTube page and watch us on YouTube and watch a video of, uh, you know, me scrambling through uh, this uh, copy every week <laughs> and Liz making hilarious faces that you do something you, weird. All that right, we'll do hopefully we'll cut to this. This is yeah. what I'm doing. That's all I got. Oh, and we want to reach 200 subscribers by January 1st. That's what Liz just said. Oh, I love that. I just that wrote idea. it. I just wrote let's, it down. Let's do it. Yeah. That's like what? Like three weeks from now? Let's do it's it. It's like 25 people, right? I think we're over 170 right now. Oh, yeah. We can do that. 25 people? Pff, no problem, right? 25 people listen to the show who haven't subscribed to our YouTube, right? People out there. So just jump over. Boom. Do it. Um, and thank you. 
And I think without further talking or delay, let's get to our conversation with uh, Derek uh, Presley and Jason Starr. So today we've got Derek uh, Presley and Jason Starr on the show. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. So we're going to start with our rapid fire questions about your new film, Redstone, which is currently in post-production, I believe. Um, how many days do you guys shoot the film? June 8th to July 1st. Those are the dates, weekends off. So we had an 18 day, I guess 19, we, we had a drone day that didn't require any actors, but um, 19 total days of shooting. Um, what was the budget or what are you allowed to say the budget was? It was an MPA, so it was below 750, but I can tell you it was above 500. And then how long did you guys work on the film from the inception to it um, eventually coming out? January, I guess. Uh, no, uh, we started, yeah, we, yeah, I guess the end of January. So February to, uh, we're actually in sound right now. And so what is that? What's January now? It's nine months, I guess. Yeah, we're almost yeah, done. Yeah. We're ready to take it to market uh, at the end two weeks now. Wait, so. let's rewind. Sorry. Yeah, sure. uh, you thought of the movie right before the pandemic started. The pandemic started, you were like, fuck it, let's make this movie. And Pretty now much. you're like almost done with the movie, but we're still uh -huh. in a global pandemic. I just want to like say yeah. it out loud. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, pretty much. <laughs> I think it's a little bit different than that, though. Like the conception started like end of January, right? So we were actually th thinking we were moving forward. We were going to shoot in April, like so. We had started pre-pro February, basically that month, and we were going to shoot in Fort Worth. So we started scouting and getting a PO. So we got an office and everything. And then uh, our line producers, you know, this was like the beginning of COVID, right? That people were thinking, ah, this isn't real yet, or whatever. Because that was that was him. That was Austin Williams. It was like, oh, this is just going to blow over. And then, like, literally the next week, it was, like, you know, he's uh, eating his shoe or whatever that term is. We put his mouth. And uh, so, yeah. So then we kind of shut down and had to regroup. And then we um, we started. I guess it was about May back up Derek. I mean we never really stopped no no I mean it was well I mean the, the during quarantine was when we got all of the legalities all the SAG stuff uh, yeah. started we started going to um, where we started having zoom meetings pretty much every single day between the three of us and uh, Austin Williams our line producer Jason uh, Alex Blackman as well who's the EP and uh, one of the EPs and yeah I mean what it was was that yeah, pretty much just like Jason said. I mean, like it was, we were ready to go. We wanted to film this in April. And when we got shut down, it was probably um, biggest blessing. I, or, uh, you know, I don't know how to say that. It sounds really bad because this is an awful thing that's happened. But I mean, like, we benefited no doubt from COVID because when we shut down, we were able to uh, take our little bit more time finding the right cast. And not that we were rushing, but you know, when things like that happen, um, people are open all of a sudden <laughs> projects are, I mean, like see like, you know, McDonough and the Cudlets, you know, they, they're big players. They play in big films and stuff. And they, and those, those films, as you guys, as you guys know, I've been listening to those podcasts. Y'all are talking about it. Uh, I wanted to buy you guys a Coke and cheer you up on one of them. Y'all were really depressed sounding. <laughs> y'all you know, were like, man, this sucks. And I was like, I agree with you. I was listening to it. And I was going back and it, it just changed the entire aspect of the world. But yeah, for us, it was, as soon as it opened up, you know, we had a better cast for it and we were able to, uh, we went to another location that was uh, way better. Um, and, you know, 
it was a, like I said, I hate to say it, it sounds horrible, but it was a blessing. So, yeah. Sorry, I took us on a detour, but the next question <laughs> is how big your crew was. I think we were total 26, 27 on our crew sides. Um, and then our cast was about the same, 28, I think, our yeah. cast total. Yeah, it wasn't too many. And then out of all the projects you guys have worked on, uh, how difficult was this oh, one? Man. <laughs> Extremely difficult. Um, Extremely difficult. Yeah, just simply because juggling the uh, what we were just talking about, um, COVID, I think it made it, yeah, by far the most difficult. Most rewarding, for sure. Um, but you know, the previous film that we did, we shot a film in November and it was come, that's out. We're selling that one right now. Um, the last November. And so that one was a 12 day shoot, you know, and it was 12 days in the winter in the, in the forest. And, and I, I was sick. I had like a hundred degree temperature about four of the days of our 12 day shooting. It was just, you know, oh, I couldn't talk. And Jason was doing like 18 positions and, you know, our crew was probably 10 to 15 people. Yeah. And I was so wanting to go back to that midway through redstone i was like god i just wish we could do that again because i was <laughs> this but wasn't as nerve-wracking I, I should probably clarify that liz like uh, difficulty wise i mean extremely difficult i would say making the movie wasn't like just like hard to get things together and do you know filmmaking it was the stress was so much higher uh, oh. because because you were worried about any second someone could get sick and shoot and shut abs- you down absolutely yeah or somebody didn't agree with something or maybe felt unsafe or something i mean we were really concerned about that but um i mean we that was that was the biggest thing we were the first film to green light uh once when, when hollywood reopened and and literally going into it let's see we started shooting june 8th it was friday the 5th uh yeah where we got green lit we got the email from SAG at 4 p.m. on that Friday. We had cameras up on Monday. And I wow. think that Monday was when Texas, I think it was that Monday. It might have been that. It was. Was it Monday it, it, when it, Texas said, hey, you're allowed to shoot again? <laughs> like we were just wow. going. Like we were like, okay, we're, gonna, we're doing this. Like everything's in place already. And we're still a small budget film. We had no room to like, okay, we got to push this. Uh, you know, two weeks or whatever. So we just, it was a huge leap of faith. <laughs> Plus the last thing I was going to say about that was, if you don't mind, was the, um, that we had a debate. I was, I think that I was on, I think Jason may have been the only one. I may have jumped onto his side at one point, but we were all saying, why don't we just wait until July guys? We know it's hot. It's just nasty. But of course I'm, I'm a big prep guy. And I was like, Oh, I give me way more time and it'd just be so much better. And the cases will hopefully go down, right? You know? Yeah. Right. And the place we were shooting at, spot, I mean, and we wouldn't be able to do this. Uh, I mean, we, I guess we could have, but it would have been even worse if we hadn't shot in June. Jason was saying, no, we got to shoot yeah. now. We got to shoot now. And I was saying, dude, it's right off the opening. Like, man, I'm scared. Yeah. And I actually, I think if we hadn't moved the location, I don't know that we would have gotten the green light anyway. So we originally were going to shoot in Fort Worth. And I don't know what the numbers were. They were in the thousands as far as cases go. And we ended up shooting, was, what was it there? About 20-something thousand people had at that point. Ugh, it was a lot. So we ended up moving the entire production which uh, to Corsicana, Texas. And that's in a county called Navarro County. And the whole county had 30, 36, I believe, cases in the county. So, so we did some research. And then uh, in the city itself, there was only eight active cases. And so that was, that was a big deal for us to move, but then we had to you know, go and quickly start rescouting and finding the right 
locations in the city, but it just worked out perfect. Was there some sort of film commission or anything you had to get clearance from in that county, or was it just the city themselves that letting you do it? Like, how did that work? Yeah, it's the the city itself. Uh, we were able to work. The city's great for filming in, so they're a little, I don't know, a little hidden gem in Texas as far as shooting. They they really welcome filmmaking in that city, and so they gave us free reign to a lot of stuff and helped us get the locations, which was just. Again, if we didn't go there, this movie didn't happen. So yeah, for for example, we we had a we have a scene just for a little example, like you know, in the downtown actual downtown strip main street, right, where a girl gets abducted by two thugs, and she's screaming bloody murder. And then, but um, you know, later on that day, we moved, we did a company move just down the road, which is great about Corsican and where we filmed because a company move is like ten minutes away every time. Yeah, and we go <laughs> we go down there by this major railroad tracks where there's all of these. You know, and we're safe. We're way off the, we're way off of the, away from it. But we're in there, all these businesses, and we get, and we're shooting, you know, live rounds. Well, not live, whatever you call, uh, blanks, blanks, you know. Yeah. And all I had to do was call up Lauren Bledsoe, who is our, is our associate producer, associate producer who works with the city, and one of our producers, Robert Johnson's, uh, he's the chief of police there. So we call him up and say, hey, (laughs) yeah. They were shooting guns, guys. So, okay, cool. Thanks for letting us know in case anybody calls the police. I mean, you know, you can't do that. You got to permits and you got to make all this stuff. Right. So it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. It was a good so, little place to shoot. I was supposed to shoot a feature in June. So this is just uh, hilarious to me because yeah. we, you know, we couldn't even consider going forward. But um, we couldn't cast. We got, like, reps weren't getting back to us. They... Um, and we, and it wasn't usually I cast my film. So we actually had a legitimate casting director this time. So when you said that Cudlitz and McDonough were open, did you get this sense that actors wanted to act and wanted to jump on board projects? Like that's new Intel as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, they were, you know, I'll say this, they almost had to me, I don't know what Jason got out of this, but when I was talking to them, I don't want to say not the. I don't want to use the word ignorant, but whatever the equivalent is, they were almost like oblivious. Like their agents kept them hidden from it because they were like they would call us up two weeks before we shot cutlets. Especially, we'd be like, "How are we going to do this?" By the way, I mean, are we are we good? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you're not freaking out about this? No, I mean, I just do. I got to do quarantine. I, oh my god! So we got to get on the. You know, Jason and then we're on the phone with the agents and stuff. And McDonough was just a. He's a cheerleader from the beginning. You know, he became executive producer on it. You know, uh, everybody had been in quarantine for so long they <laughs> yeah. were ready to get out i think derek you should tell the story about neil calling you neil likes to uh i'm sorry mcdonough whatever neil likes to um <laughs> he likes to facetime with you and he calls he, like he's very personable like that just such an amazing guy but uh the, the story derek that i think you should tell is when he's washing dishes he's facetiming with you and he's like i gotta get out of here <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. He's straight up. He's washing dishes, and he's and and I'm and I'm and the funny thing was I was washing dishes. You know, we're both in quarantine. I've got a seven year old. He's with me. He's got five kids or something. Neil's and he's five, yeah, yeah. And he's sitting there washing dishes, and I can hear him. And I'm like, I'm washing dishes. He goes, I'm washing dishes. And I was like, Oh, cool. And I was like, I, And he said something. He goes, Derek, I got to get out of here. I've just got to <laughs> get out of here. He's like, This is happening, right? Like I'm flying out in two weeks, right? And it wasn't anything about it because he's. Yeah, you know, one thing about Neil that you'll know is he's the most devout family man in the universe. There's nobody else like him. It's insane. And um, but it was more of just he was going stir crazy <laughs> being in one location. Yeah. So, and I think that that was our uh, another huge blessing for us is crews 
like everybody needed to go to work. Everybody wanted to go to work. Actors wanted to go act. So I, I think at that point that they were like, I'm just going to risk it. We're not really that concerned. But then once we, and we put a, a COVID like a guideline book together ourselves because here's the other thing that made us really lucky. This was before SAG put out their own guidelines. When yeah. we were so we were in the middle. Um, if we'd have had to follow those guidelines, which we will on the next shoot, it would have cost a lot more money and it's going to cost a lot more, but our next movie is we have more money to deal with it because those guidelines are really strict and, and really tough. Um, financially, they're tough. So. so you just snuck in at an opportune time where they didn't have guidelines, but were able to say yes to you? Yeah. Well, we wrote our own guidelines and we sent them. I sent them a book that was like, this is how we're going to do it. And we were, you know, the, our guidelines were based on what other, other big studios were starting to put together as well out in Hollywood. So there were things, I think, like smaller stuff that might have been preparing to shoot. Uh, I think there might probably was some commercial stuff that was shooting. Um, there were no feature films, I know that, but we wrote guidelines and we kind of, in our guidelines, we put the data in there and the numbers and how we were going to do it. And I think that helped them to feel okay and secure that, hey, these guys are going to take care of I think of the them. biggest, that along with the biggest thing you, you just can't discount was when we show them the cases, we had the city show them what they had. And when you look right. at that and go eight cases, okay, we're good. You know what I mean? And we're out in the sticks. We're not, we're hardly in the little town. We're mostly out on the, you know, out on these little roads and stuff and, and uh, a farm as a big aspect of the movies or a ranch. So I think, and it was early, like, <laughs> like, like you're saying, it was early yeah. on it was before they had a chance to really, you know, sit down and go, we're going to test three days a week. And, and again, on one of y'all's previous podcasts, one of you, uh, I think Ulrich, I think you were the one, you know, one of you two had a friend that was shooting and you said it was like testing and there was a very small crew. It was an on-sag. It was a couple of podcasts ago and you were talking about how they were testing like crazy. It was just so expensive for a small. Yeah. That was Ulrich, like right. the three times right. a week thing, Ulrich. Yeah. Right. Crazy. Right. Yeah. I do, I do know another filmmaker who they wouldn't not made a movie with a 20 person crew and, and they're doing it non-sag and so they just didn't test at all <laughs> they're just yeah. like doing yeah. it without testing because oh, wow. they didn't have to go to anybody right. they're just doing right. it all kind of guerrilla style yeah, um yeah. but uh but so did you guys test at all or was it just no did you test the actors at least or how did you guys some, some people were tested some of the actors were tested not everybody i can say not everybody was tested because it was again there was not a guideline from sag to say hey you you have to test everybody but some people were some people that uh, we actually had one day this is crazy so in the script there's uh and this is where COVID hit the hardest was in a, an elderly home right like a, yeah, a wow. facility and we shot inside of a like an elderly home we had there was a wing this basement wing that was not being used but we had a lot of extras that came in that day um that were you know 60 plus 70 plus years old to be as backgrounds <laughs> wow and so like you can imagine everybody like, had to play it safe and so right <laughs> it was also by the way um it was also neil's first day yes. neil mcdonough and when he walks yeah. on the set this is just really funny this is the big this is the, the this is the biggest budget i've shot with uh, and neil walks on set and he's got we got i guess 20 maybe i don't know where we were at but he you know he sees most of the crew and he looks around and he goes, I love it. I just love it. This is how it should be. Just a, like a little family. And I'm looking at him going, 
this is a big crew. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, this is great, you know. And, uh, and he walks in. He had a, he had a blast because he gets, he gets to know. There's a couple other people, too, that work on major productions that were in that movie. And they were like, it's crazy. Like, I, I, could, I just, I know everybody. I'm like, well, yeah, you don't have 500 people or whatever they had. Right. It's like, you know, you got four people at any given time. So, so, so talk about what you guys did do. So you didn't do testing, but like, were you doing like screening every day for the crew? Like, were you doing temperature checks? Were you doing like bubbles or pods for different departments? Like, let's, let's hear about what you guys did do for yourself. All right. So first and foremost, we did have an advisor. We had a COVID advisor that we had hired, uh, Paul Henley, who is also the, the city's COVID advisor for the city of Corsicana. So we had hired the right guy. Um, for this, who also got on the phone with us and with SAG to talk about how we were going to handle and deal with it um, and how we were going to keep everyone safe. So we we did do a pod system, not as, uh, well, it's a much smaller team. So, but there was just certain people who were responsible for certain gear that, and this was actually hard for me because I like to get my hands. I, I just like to help. Like I'm not a producer that just stands around and just whatever watches people work so if like uh gne needs to move something i would go and move something and i realized like going to pick up something like i shouldn't be doing this like part of our guidelines was this is you guys' stuff we're not gonna right and so people would have to take care of their own things uh the groups right our pods they would wipe down their own stuff they would take care of their own stuff um, and, and we had like pas that were responsible for certain things wiping things down um, there were several times i was actually uh pleased i would see uh, uh one of our guys rex was wiping down the handles of our our star wagons our trailers like just going around and wiping them I was like oh okay and you know it wasn't something that i said hey you need to make sure you do this every day go do this but they were doing it so everybody was very responsible about it we we did temperature check every day we did do questionnairing every day to like everybody so and, and we did we had a little system where certain people were closer to our cast and certain people just stayed away. Like there's, they didn't need to be around them and they don't need well, to be around. Them, so. We also had our, our makeup. Uh, she was one, a one person team and uh, only, she was only allowed to be in there uh, myself if I needed to talk to them, obviously masks and everything. Um, but she was only just her and there was nobody else was allowed to touch any of her, you know, things like that. And I think, I think right. all the guidelines now are a little more defined than they were, obviously. But it's weird because we talked like this was years ago. It was like yeah, I know. Ago. It was just – Because <laughs> SAG, SAG is – you know, they've come out with things. And we're filming our next film in Washington State. And they have – their their commission is – they have guidelines. We didn't have that. They have, they have, they have this amazing right. commission. And they're just like, here, download this. This is what you got We there. did. We had our own guidelines that fit our – We had – we had hours, but we didn't have somebody say, this is what you have to do. So Jason was literally the guy in court during quarantine was, and you know, there was a film in Iceland or I believe. And Tyler Perry released something as well for Georgia. And I think you, you were taken from that and kind of making it our own thing. It sounds like you guys are becoming, you're kind of like shooting up in terms of like popularity and busyness at the same time that the, the world is falling apart like i don't know anyone else who just shot something who's planning to shoot something else like this is kind of this very prolific of you and then you also mentioned derek the sense of like your budgets are getting bigger personally i don't know for you jason if it's the same situation but i I don't know what the question is is. i guess it's like can you talk a little bit about your like careers growing in this time and what you attribute that to well i can say that 
with I think before we did our we did a film in, in last November that I talked about um, and that was we found an investor the prior year before that and we had to wait like 10 months to shoot the movie so we had a ton of prep the summer of like 2019 I guess and um, we got our little crew together and I had been on a hiatus from making so I was more of a genre kind of guy I was all my short films and my previous two features were posters behind me I was obsessed with that kind of stuff <laughs> I got city of lost children poster right over here um so I had all these things and I was just kind of tired of making those movies because I, I don't want to say that they'd lacked human emotion but they they lacked human emotion uh and so we we got together and we made this other film this was more grounded and we got to really work hard on it we had a great guy come in Alex Blackman who's our our uh, partner now and I think that's where it really started was like finding this group and when we made Whitetail showing the rough to alex in january or actually december we had it we shot it in november we had yeah. the picture lock in december that's right and i really think that it's attributed to the fact that like jason's not really a producer i mean he yeah. is now but <laughs> when i met him it was a color he was a he was a colorist on my previous feature before not really uh, a colorist either no he's not he's a, he's a, <laughs> but i i met him and i asked him to color the film and he said well i really want to get into i want to do producing more i want to kind of get out of the that stuff and I was like oh well here you know and then the next thing I know you know he's bringing like 90 different things to the set that there's no way we could have got a codex system they're doing case studies on white tail this little movie you know and um sorry it's long-winded answer the point is is that started with that little film it was made for about a hundred thousand and then when Alex saw the cut of it he goes man he goes that's awesome. He goes, I don't even know if we can make a better film. He, re he really likes it a lot. It's like, which is fantastic. Cause you want to hear your investor say, yeah, you want to hear your main EP saying, yeah, it was a great film. It was a great film. So then, then he said, give you some more money. Yeah. So what can we do now? And this is before COVID, you know, this is before this was January. So it was really just a little story. And I was like, well, uh, I have an idea. I was like, I'll write it, you know, I'll pitch it to you. And I wrote it and I pitched to him and he loved it. And the next thing you know, we're, it's Redstone and Redstone's, was that much money, you know, five, five to 600,000, somewhere around there. And then, um, and really the next thing was Neil, it's Neil McDonough. Cause on set of Redstone, he just said to me jokingly, and I made an ass of myself cause I thought he was joking and he wasn't, but he was like, yeah. And then the sequel, you know, he could do this. I was like, <laughs> yeah, right. Sequel. This isn't a sequel type movie. Neil. And I keep going. And then I'm like, Oh, and he says it again. I'm like, Oh, you're serious. You're okay. All right. So I was like, I don't know if I could figure out a way to make a sequel with this and not to give away the ending or anything, but I was, you know, I was like, I don't know, this is really weird. But when somebody like that then starts telling you more and more, he wants to do it and he can make the next one, this and that, the bigger, you, you know, you know, you guys are filmmakers, you, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I can figure out a way to make a sequel. I can do it. But, <laughs> but I did have the rule with him on this next one. I said, it can't be a, a continuation. It has yeah. to be like a spiritual sequel. I, I'm not I gonna give we're it. still we're still battling with Derek. He he still doesn't believe it's a sequel, and it's it's really not a sequel. I mean this this movie <laughs> is really like years later, and if you never saw the first one, you wouldn't you wouldn't think anything of it. But if you did see the first one, there may be some nuggets in there that you'd be like, oh yeah, I could see that. So, it, so it, then you know, did, yeah. So right. then you pitch this idea that you kind of come up with Neil to your investor and then he just says, yeah, I'm all in. Let's do it. Or how does no, it work? It was, no. we were all in before we had Neil. Um, so I'll back up. Cause I kind of tied. This story he's, he's referring, I think, I think Ulrich's referring to the, this new one. To the new oh, one. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, that, that was, um, Neil was pressuring me to do that. 
So we're literally in, we're in sound on whitetail, which is the one we shot before. One I told you about the little the hundred thousand one, and then we're editing Redstone, and I'm at the sound studio with with Jason, and he calls me up with his agent Neil does Neil Madonna, and his agent calls and says, "What are you doing? Get to work." And I'm like, "Ha it's funny." He's like, "No, seriously, like write this script, the sequel. We gotta because we want to shoot this in the fall of this year." And I was like, "Uh, well, that's and I'm just you know, I never I never claimed to be smart, so I was going." fall of the year what's oh shit. Yeah, that's only like four months oh shit. you know i called jason so anyways that's how that worked Neil, Neil was me, we were in the same place you just- <laughs> no we were in the same place well you were in the room you were yeah. in the next room i was outside and then so he he ends up, the <laughs> so then after that he ended up uh staying with it and i think at that point when i throughout the writing of it we were still i was fighting a little bit i mean not 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 to like fighting not to do it but just like i was thinking like this is just so quick and sudden how is it how is that possible we're gonna do another film with neil with the covid stuff the cases are kind of going crazy and there's now you know and it it was really it was neil and, and obviously jason and myself but it, you know neil was the, he, again this one he's taken way more of a of a producing you know role and he's he's finding the people and the investors so oh so neil's taking on the investment side of this one we have we have, we have some that's people a, some of it that's, a, yeah. that's amazing yeah. this is a miracle yeah yeah, yeah. what yeah. a crazy story yeah it's crazy but it's, uh, it's wild to think that not it's not even been a year yet since we made our first film together and now we're going into a third film before november of 2020 so you don't know the revenue for any of these movies. So your, inv- and your investor doesn't seem to care. He seems to care about the quality of the storytelling more than necessarily the return, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I mean, mostly. But I think we know we have a good picture. We, we already did do distribution on our, our Whitetail picture. And that had really no big names. And then now you go from that to Redstone where you have, a, I think we have a really good a great cast in Redstone, and then now with the Boone, where it's an even bigger cast who we're throwing around right now. So, I, I think they're just the the risk mitigation is a lot lower because of the the talent. So, with Whitetail, did you guys make your budget back through your distribution already, or is that still in question? Yeah, it's still in question because it just we just started those deals. So, International was signed probably. Uh, a month ago, maybe it hasn't been. Okay. So that's, and then domestic, we're actually waiting on a letter right now for that. So we, we don't know what we're going to get back on it. I, I, our budget was so low and it's a really good feature. I can't imagine not at least getting our production back. So. Never and know guys. You never think. know. I know. Exactly. You never know. <laughs> and, but it, but it didn't matter. I shot my first feature around the same time you guys shot whitetail and mine's not done yet. I'm, I'm still working on it, but it's, it's basically we're going into, into sound and visual effects very soon. I'm like just ready, about ready to lock it. But uh, awesome. but yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. It's like, oh, we made it for so little. Like, you know, we should be able to get our money back. No problem. But again, like my producer was on time. It's like, don't count on it, kid. Right. Like, don't yeah. count on it. it this tough. is actually it's my like, job. My job is distribution consulting now. Well, and yeah, nice. I just quit my job. <laughs> I am happy to help you guys. You can be my client. We should um, talk. Well, but yeah, I mean, I've witnessed the distribution and releases of a lot of films. And I also did the same pitch when talking to investor, such low overhead, uh, name cast, genre, whatever it is. But um, unless you get those like large license fees from like a Netflix, a Hulu, a premium cable or an airline deal, which clearly are 
fallen by the wayside now, <laughs> yeah. you can't rely on anything. But you have to say those kind of things to investors. You have yeah. to say, we're making a good film with low overhead. So we have a long, a shorter runway to travel, right? But but we can well, talk if you want. Yeah. No, <laughs> I also think like with the investors seeing that we were able to produce something, seeing what we were able to do with what little we had, and then going and quadrupling that, and then doing it again, and just making that much better of a picture. And then now we're hopefully going to do it again. So oh my god, I have like I, forty I, questions. But please, Eric, all right, go, 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 go. I, I have a COVID specific question. Just kind of going back to Redstone. Um, and wait, and, and this to be clear, have you shot Boone yet, or are you just preparing to shoot Boone? Soon? Just pre-pro for Boone right now. Pre-Boone. Okay. Yeah. So on on Redstone, did you guys um, like what did you do for food? Like, did you have craft services? Did you do breakfast every day? And then and then how did you guys do that? Did you have a catering company? Like, what was your process for that? So that, that was pretty easy um, because, it, you know, we had, we, were go, we had gone to the individualized packaging of, for food, right? And that's how you kind of have to do it. So we specifically hired a person to deal with that. And I think there was two people in the set for that. But we did a menu system. So we would have a menu day before and they would get to order from the place. So people had actually had choice, like as if you were going to a buffet, but they got to choose what they wanted. And they would put in an order and then the restaurant would prepare that individually wrapped for that person and get their name on it. Just like they do in a post house. I don't know if you work in like commercial post, you go into a post house, everybody's food comes, you know, they send a menu around to every room and you tell them what you want and then they right. it and get it. So that's how we dealt with the food situation. So, and, and then it was just one restaurant you guys worked with the whole no, time? No, no, no. We, we, we went around. So the city. That was kind of our, that was our agreement, right? With Corsican. Yeah. It was that we don't go outside of there. We have to use the businesses and they yeah. were, uh, opening up and we were you know they were uh, having to pack yeah, we were, we were cycling through and actually we got some really good deals on food as well because we were a big part of restaurants like making them money that day right but there was probably right. like four or five restaurants that we would just cycle back you know cycle through for, for food right it made me it, it actually to be honest it was a little it kind of took me back to the old days. I hadn't done that in a while. Where minus that it was not, we didn't have pizza because we'd all be asleep. But you know, when you're making your short film, that's our rule. No your, pizza. Your, you know, you're all like, "Hey guys, what do you want from Subway?" I'm gonna send a guy to go to Subway. What do you want? <laughs> it was way more organized, but it was weird because I hadn't been on a set where I'm opening up a a box from a restaurant in a very long time. You know, and been it's always you know buffet style. So it was nice. Right. I like I liked it. I preferred that way over the other way. That's that's the benefit of being in a small town. It's like having easier access to the restaurants, restaurants being more open to that. You know, I, I did this similar thing in Tahoe for a feature recently, but it was before the pandemic. So like we didn't have to worry about, um, you know, individual stuff. We just did, you know, buffet style. Um, but but yeah, that's awesome. So th it sounds like it wasn't that big of a deal. No. Did you guys do coolers or, or no coolers? We did set? do coolers. But we also had uh, our guy you. Rex. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but we had we had one guy handing out drugs oh. or handling, or Cheers. and that wasn't all the time. <laughs> but no. we also had hand sanitizer on top of every cooler. So before okay. you could go open the cooler, you had to. We had these cool little bags made up. We know, also, yeah, we did that, Jason yeah. went and got these nice bags that had all the sanitizers and wipes and everything you could have, and and uh, masks and stuff, and then. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it is difficult. I will say that for, for anybody that's about to venture into a feature or a short or anything right now, you know, it is difficult. I'm not, we're not going to lie and be like, you know, it wasn't 
hard. I mean, there's some things you just have it, you know, just like Jason was saying. I was just going to say that it's the habit of like, Oh, I forgot myself in the, I want to shake hands or I want to hug somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and then the other thing too is I, I want to bring this up because this is what your podcast is about is, you know, the make making of things and uh, hence the title is hard. Um, that, you know, we, we had a couple of moments where we were like, people, you can't, you cannot take pictures on set and post them online because people are going to get, not that we were doing anything wrong, but like if you happen oh, to see an actor. Oh, yeah. oh and then there's a lot of people that were, were, there's a lot of people that were upset. They weren't making a film. I don't want to say jealous, but they were just like, they're going to hate on it to hate on it, you know? And then it was like, mm -hmm. we're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. We're, we're making a film and they're going to, you know, the actors are not going to have a, you know, a mask on during the scene. So, and there's, you know, and, and then I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm a human being. I'm going to, it didn't happen directly to me anyways. I'm just saying that I wasn't personally scrutinized, but I've just, I know people are like, Oh, can I post this? And we were like, no, like keep it. Till after the I, I, I can speak to that if you want. I, I had an issue with that. Like um, I, I'm on these productions. I've, I've been shooting since July um, and we are doing these um, photo shoots and I, I posted some stuff online and then somehow I got tagged by somebody else online and he put a tag and he was saying like, how do these people do these scenes without masks on blah, 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 all this stuff. And then I, I'm not sure if he was directly attacking me, but I got into this Facebook thing with this guy and I was like, well, this is what we did. This is how we did it. You know, it was completely follow the guidelines. We we're all safe, but I mean, there are people out there who aren't following the rules carefully. And, you know, if they post up online, there are people out there who are going to, you know, call you out on it. And, you know, but I mean, yeah, it, it, it's definitely an interesting time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just do your best. You try, you know, we have the guidelines. We actually, I um, stumbled upon a, a COVID awareness test online that I sent to every crew member. I have my diploma. Derek has his. So, so everybody, every crew person took this online COVID test because it was all about COVID awareness, right? And again, because of habit, you, you kind of forget some things, but you do your best. And like we did it. No one got sick in our movie. No one. Yeah. Not we even, had to test. No one getting it after the movie. No one's got it. They, 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 something to be said is that some of the crew went directly on another feature filming in Corsicana. And uh, it's, I, I've kept in touch with a couple of those people and uh, they're, they're filming now, I think actually. And uh, it's a Western and none of them have gotten it yet. So that I know of, you know, nothing. Yeah. Uh, what were the contingency plans if there were someone to get sick? Jason's got a pretty big credit card with a limit on it. So we were just going <laughs> to max that out and go, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, no, Jason, I'll let you answer that one, man. <laughs> um, man, no, the contingency was to not get sick. Um, <laughs> we didn't physically have a plan. I, I think uh, part of producing and I think just part of making movies, as you guys know, especially any films, is you just kind of adapt and, and you go on. Uh, we had, Look, we had super responsible people. I'll tell a story about uh, Chelsea, Chelsea Reginald, who's one of our PAs. Uh, yeah, she was PA. She couldn't come back the last week. She called me and said, Jason, um, I'm sorry, I can't come back. She didn't have COVID. She didn't get sick. She said, my husband's friend's mother got COVID. And oh, so, I love Chelsea right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she, she's amazing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So that, like, but that's the level of type of person you want to have working on your team. Right. Because she was responsible enough to, to forego her pay or anything like that, that she would have made for that week. And it was the last week. I think it was the last three days of shooting we had. 
but still she called and said, so we just, we brought in another PA to, to fill the role. And that's, that was kind of the contingency. Like if Derek would have got sick, we would have just brought in a new director. <laughs> Easy. He's <laughs> so replaceable. You're, you're yeah. replaceable, Derek. You hear that? Uh, he I sit on this hotel room. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, my, 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 my thing is, is I told this to our cinematographer, Garrett, uh, Garrett Schwent. And uh, I told Sajation as well and myself, I said on this next film, you know, we're shooting up in Washington. I was like, this is a big step, you know, for all of us. And uh, we got, you know, the only people that we can't replace are the actors. Yeah. That's it. If I get it, I'll step down and be like, I'll say on as a producer, bring in another person. I don't care. No, he could direct remotely. Right. So, you know, it it would be weird, but yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) we do it. it, And I think that's how you do it. So, put your yeah. actors in some bubble wrap yeah. and then put them in a closet when they're not shooting. Let them have some. <laughs> and that's they're it. They're the most important don't. piece of the pie right now, right? Because yeah. they're the ones we you can't want. replace. Everyone else yeah, can right. be replaced or can work uh, through remote system or something like that to, to still make a picture happen. Right. Well, so, they're also the ones who are most at risk, too. Right. They're the only ones who have to take their masks off. Exactly. Right. So. exactly. We, had a, uh, we had a breakdown by SAG. Oh, we yeah. had to break down oh, my gosh. every single scene. We're going to have to do it on this one too. We'll probably start working on that very soon. <laughs> we had to break down every single scene and we had to diagram and discuss the actors uh, distancing from each other. If it was in a car, uh, how are we going to do that safely? If it was in a scene with us, I had to actually say, okay, the over the shoulder shots on these. And I, and I, and we're, we're big storyboard, you know, people. So we storyboard our stuff. And I, so I could just take the storyboards and I didn't give it to them, but I could look at it and go, oh, this is an over the shoulder and we'll shoot it six feet apart and depth of field or whatever the term is, you know, like that. Um, and we had to tell SAG that every single scene, well, this person actually I had to change things and we already did yeah, it in this. I was going to say that. So like yeah. script was actually rewritten on several parts of the film because of this. Um, so if you think about doing like a stunt breakdown for SAG where, you know, they, you send your, your stunts over and then they send it their stunt guys to break it down. It was the same thing. So I'd tell all the filmmakers that are listening, watching the podcast, you guys is prepare to do that ahead of time. If you're going to try to go for a SAG film, take your scenes and the ones that you know are not like social distance where you have maybe two, three or more actors and figure out different ways to shoot it. So you can do like a force perspective or something, or maybe you're gonna do VFX where you're gonna split and shoot one actor and then another actor because it's a lot camera, it's a little bit easier to do. And, and do that, because we had to do that. I mean, it's- also, also just this, the smallest details as well um, that you can, um, you know, a kissing scene try to figure out a way i mean i'm I, I, we're, we're lucky because I'm, I'm not very good at writing romantic stuff so everything <laughs> i have there's not a lot of touchy-feely stuff in the things we've done lately it's just a lot of people shooting people from far away but um <laughs> but no i mean seriously it's it's one of those things where i had a scene in this new film and it was a uh, takes place in a city market i wasn't even thinking you know, i'm writing this just a oh few gosh. months ago with Amazing. Neil. neil oh i forgot to say that neil's the co-writer on this script he wrote it with me. Oh, wow. so we're sitting there and we're we came up with this idea and we didn't even think about it till like just a couple of days ago. And I was like, Oh, we can't shoot that. And we're like, what? Oh man, COVID. I mean, you know, you just don't get, you just don't think about it. It was a raffle at a city fair. A uh, we big crowd, hundred people. Bunch of people. And <laughs> man, I was so happy though. Cause I was like, Oh, that's good. Cause now logistically, I don't, yeah. don't need to yeah. work with that. That's great. So now it's, we <laughs> great cut all that yeah. It's oh. completely gone. But little things like that yeah. are just crucial to the side. In Redstone, there was a scene where um, 
a person was supposed to get suffocated uh, with the hand just going over the person's yeah. mouth and Flushy, we were, like yeah a, like yeah, like over he the, puts his hand over the mouth and suffocates this guy to kill him and uh we just, <laughs> Derek Rebrow, think, well, we'll just shoot him so it was like, <laughs> I, I mean, it, was, it, ended, it was better. ended up being really cool. Yeah, it ended up being way better than uh, what I'd written. But it it was. It was one of those things where you just don't think about that stuff. So, know? yeah, I guess we, we should give props to SAG, actually, for making us do that. Because it actually, if you think about, you know, from the script perspective, you may have to rewrite some stuff based on what guidelines are or trying to be safe. So, and it helped out. So I know we're winding things down, but I, but I have one more question I want to ask um, just about this next movie, Boone. So you talked about like you're going to have to, you know, have a lot more restrictions COVID related on this one because you've got different guidelines you're following. Can you just speak really briefly to some of those? Like, are you guys going to have to do testing three times a week? Like, what, what are you guys preparing for yeah. on this next one? So we are preparing. So the way it works now, right, if you, if you look at the, the current SAG stuff and Washington Film Works, which has been amazing. Like, I think Washington, I'm surprised not more people, not more, I'm surprised more people don't shoot up there. But they're pretty tight with what the SAG guidelines are. And so just like the pods they call them zones right you, you like your zone a people will test those are the ones at highest risk the ones working with the actors the ones that are closest those are the guys that will test three times a week and then you've got your zone b's which will be the one time a week and everybody will test prior to filming uh, starting filming if somebody's flying in they need to test before they get on a flight and test after they arrive but like I said, we're prepared this time budget-wise, which would have killed us on the last one. So we're going into this one with that first and hiring our COVID advisor for the film that's going to deal with all of that, the organization of that, and the temperature checks, the questionnaires every day. Just the the, the COVID uh, police that's going to be on set. So. Do, you, do you have an idea of what budget that's going to be or what part, part of the budget that's going to be? Like how much it's going to cost? 50K. Ooh. Yeah. And, and what's your crew size on this one? Like 30 or something or a little less? Trying to stay less than 30 or right around 30. Derek smiles because wow. it was higher at first. But I always come back to Derek and say, got to mitigate risk, buddy. And then he's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted a longer. I mean, we had, what, 19 days on Redstone. We yeah. had a couple of, we had three double digit page days. And it's, yeah. it's we don't want that again. Yeah, we don't want to do so that. So I was like, 25 day shoot. And Jason's like, eh, 20. I'm like, 22. <laughs> <laughs> all right right we'll so go at 20 20 yeah three more days well, this has been yeah. really Amazing. genuinely a good yeah. conversation um i don't say that every time uh so <laughs> let's dip oh, cool. into our final five questions these are like the long view <laughs> questions where each of you would answer with regard to your career and your you know your emotions okay. uh so both of you what's the first film you ever made and how do you feel about it now jason you want to go first yeah you want me to go? no i'll go first because mine's easy because i have never uh so my career, and I actually have a full-time job, which is nuts because I'm also producing now, but, um, but I've been working in industry since the 90s, and I'm traditionally a 3D animator. So I, I made an animated film, uh, short, 30 minutes long. They were actually episodics. That was my first. That was mine. So, um, and I actually have a feature in the works right now that we just finished the animatics on. And we'll go into production with it at some point, probably 2021. Um, but uh, so it's, I don't know, those actors, <laughs> you can tell them what to do and they do it and they don't get sick, right? Because they're just animated characters. So that's an easy thing. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it's easy. Derek? 
Uh, when you say first film, are you referring to feature or short? It doesn't matter. Whatever you want, however you want to answer it. <laughs> All right. Well, the first short I ever made, I think, was a, uh, two action figures that killed each other. And then my mom walked in. She made a cameo. Um, that was that was like in the 90s. Um, but <laughs> no, but my, my first feature was uh, called uh, Cronus. Uh, and it was a sci-fi fantasy um and i think what i took away from that i i like i said i grew up idolizing guys like terry gilliam and uh john pierre and tim burton these guys like that and um i think what i learned from that was how to do the visual side of a film you know uh color schemes storyboarding um putting it together having having some sort of consistency you know in the images not just oh we're gonna shoot this wide now you know having an order to it um and you know, I, I look back on it with it's kind of what helped me get to these guys here, you know, with Jason and stuff. He we met on Cronus, yeah, on that yeah. film. So. And that was, yeah, and that was shot eight years ago. <laughs> I colored um, Cronus. I was a colorist on Cronus, amazing. and that's how we. Yeah, yeah, he was. He he was a colorist on Cronus, and um, and so yeah, you know, and the shuttle that was uh, that was the first feature that I did. I mean, I made one in the uh, when I was a little bit younger than that. On do you guys? familiar with panasonic tvx 100a cameras from back in that day yes like one of the first Mary. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, that was one of the first things i used back in yeah. um you know whatever film school yeah yeah it was uh, i had one i bought me one of those and i and um we went down into the uh i don't want to say sewers there was like these <laughs> underground tunnels in dallas and i spent like three months on my shooting the, this really weird little feature and again it was you know because those have set lenses i had to buy a i bought a wide angle lens adapter so i could do like an 11 to 12 millimeter mm -hmm. uh, kind of mm -hmm. look like, like a gilliam or a malik movie and uh went down there and spent months shooting that one and it came out and it sat there in an editing base no one's ever seen it. in fact i don't even know where it's at <laughs> that was the first feature you know you're working on it and it teaches you a lot what not to do and that's what i took away from coronas as well was what not to do. Um, what's the best filmmaking advice you've ever received? I would say so far that, and it's, God, it's so cheesy, um, but it's so true, which is uh, you're only as good as your last film. When I think about that term that I was told was, I think it means that, you know, you got to take the, every, every single second you're on a movie set, you're, you're extremely lucky. I mean, it's a mixture of luck and hard work, but if, if you really think about the process of filmmaking. You think about how much money is put into it, even even a hundred thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars. That's somebody's money, you know. That's some, especially in the indie world, that's an investor's money. That's their personal money, whether they inherited it or whether they worked their butt off for it. And if you think about consistently trying to do this as a living, you know, you can, can kind of get a little get a little depressed about thinking like that. Like, man, this may be the last film I ever make, and it very may, it very well may be the last film you ever make for a variety of reasons. I know I'm going dark here, but it's true, you know. <laughs> and so when they say you're always good at your last film, it's like I always pretend, and I told I told this to my cinematographer on Whitetail, and I told it to him on Redstone the first day. I said, okay, after this film, you and I are going to be taken out to a field, and we're going to be beaten to death, and we will never live again, and this is the last thing we're ever known for. And after he <laughs> said, man, you're really fucked up, Derek. I said, yes, I know, but you get what I'm saying, right? And he's like, yeah, you could have just said make a good movie. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, and I'm serious. That's the best advice. It's like, just pretend you're never going to make another film again. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> what was the question? What's the best film advice you've ever gotten? Like anyone's like, 
given you? I, I, probably, and I, because I use this a lot in, in my world now, is, is trying to work with good people only. Like, that's, that's my rule now. I just want to work with cool people. I want to work with responsible people. I want to work with people that kind of have the same vision and, and outlook, you know, that they're in it because they want to be in it. And so I think Derek's that guy. I mean, he and I, after Cronus, we didn't talk for years. And then we reconnected on Whitetail and now Redstone. And now we're partners and we're, we're going to do this thing big now. But, um, and if he hadn't, if I hadn't seen or worked with him on Cronus and then just seen his attitude and going forward and then working with him on Whitetail, we, I don't know, we wouldn't be here today for sure. And so I kind of have that rule. And with all the people that I work with and, and work for, we're all kind of like that meals like that so i think he sees it he sees it in us we see it with him so we both kind of trust each other even though we just met on a movie set three months ago i call that the asshole test yeah i'm totally on board with that yeah (laughs) um what are your goals as filmmakers whether they're monetary or award-wise like what are you shooting for if you can think beyond dying in a field and being put out to pasture Oh, well, that was my answer. I, was, I just don't want to be totally out in the field. When, it, when I was younger, you know, it was making those movies like I said, Cronus, and there's another horror film that I kind of made. But that those films, <laughs> those films were, those movies were, uh, I want to be, definitely, I've never cared about being famous or any of that stuff because I'm too, I'm too uh, pessimistic to believe in that stuff. But I have always thought I want to make good movies where people see them. And that's what I care about, you know, and the older you get, you realize, man, I think at this point, my goal is to make films that I love and I just want to be able to pay the rent doing it. I don't want to have odd jobs in between. I want to be able to pay the rent, keep the lights on, provide for my son, provide for my family and be able to make narrative films. So, and that's asking a lot as we know, but that's, that's my goal. That's it. Yeah, I, I will, um, I'll say this cause people don't know Derek and uh, I, I know this guy now. And he, he is very genuine when he says that, like, uh, because most guys might say that, but then they really want to get these 20 million, $30 million budgets, get an Oscar, be known. And he's like, I just want to make good films. And because we, we go back and forth on this sometimes uh, because I tell, I, I look, I'm like a serial entrepreneur. I want to make films, but I also want to make because I know we need that. That's so that all. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a producer. <laughs> but I, yeah, I want to keep doing it. And the only way to keep doing it is if we can sell them. Right. And so Derek and I have to, we, we have to come to arrangements or agreements on, on stuff. Like uh, it'd be great if we had this person because this person brings this much weight and maybe they're not as good as an actor as you wanted for this role, but let's look at the long term. Like this is what they'll cost us. And this is what we might be able to get from that. So that's the way I look at it a lot. Um, but I'm also an artist myself. So, and I, my background is graphic design, 3d animation and visual effects. And so I've been behind the scenes for so long. And it, one day, I think I want to direct something. Derek and I have talked about that. And that's why we have this little company now. And I'm not in a hurry. I'm going to help him. And we'll go forward from there and see what happens. So is your goal more of like the Brian Grazier path? Is that where you're, you see yourself in 20 years, God, God willing, or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I see your Top Gun poster, so I kind <laughs> yeah. of like get a sense for you as a producer already. I'm like, okay, I, I see where you, I see where you're headed. Um, <laughs> that, that's a funny. My 
funny story about this poster. So it's an original Top Gun poster and uh-huh, Top Gun. Nice. I was growing up, I grew up with Top Gun and Tony Scott. And I, I wanted to be a pilot after watching Top Gun. I never wanted to make movies at all. Oh, that's so, funny. I just wanted to be a pilot. My dad was in the Air Force. But uh, when we were in Corsicana, there's this little funky shop downtown. And my, my daughter was there and she went in there. And uh, she knows I'm a Top Gun fan because every time it's on TV, I'm watching it. And my wife will walk in. She's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, so my daughter said, hey, I got you this poster and at the store. I was like, oh, that's cool. And so I talked to the owner of the store because it wasn't framed yet. And she had it framed for me. And so when I go in there to pick it up, I had to pay for it. I thought my daughter had bought it for me. But she's like, just put it on hold for me. So oh, that's funny. I had to get it. Um, but no, I, uh, I don't know. I I think I'm a good producer. I'm just a business-minded guy, and I kind of look at, try to see the big picture of everything. So, um, my what's my good job, about Jason yeah. is is that he has that side of him that is uh, he is a producer now, but he started from the creative, and he you know, he's a smart guy, so he could pick up on all the things that I can't do, like all the paperwork and things like that. That I'm you know I'm like ah overwhelmed, and he knows how to do it. And, but at the same time, he's not, you know, he's not the guy that's just looking at how to make money. He's also like, well, it's got to be good. Otherwise, I mean, he straight up told yeah, me. I don't want to do it if it's not good. Well, not just that, but also, too, you, you know, you, you, he wants to make sure that he like, not just likes it, but it, and then it's good. Because, you know, you could look at a script and go, well, I don't like it, but I can tell it's a good script. And he just doesn't want to do it if, if he doesn't want his name on it and it's in his style and and a way of doing it so it's 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 like we're all making the movie there's not really we're just different positions but it's all of our film we don't ever refer to it as Derek's or jason's we say it's our movie so next question if you go back in time what's one piece of advice you would give yourself mine mine would be don't have i uh i guess don't don't make don't make a deadline and don't pigeonhole your yourself as a certain director um i mean well i mean like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be completely transparent and like honest here, just throwing myself under the bus. But I think in my, I think in my twenties, I was consciously making a decision to make only these type of movies. And it was just, you know, I would never make any other kind of film. Like I don't want to, even though I, even though I absolutely, I grew up loving Westerns. I, I grew up loving these uh, dramatic films, thrillers, you know, some of my favorite movies, but I always wanted to make these science fiction fantasy surreal type movies with big epic you know set designs and color schemes and budgets and all wide lenses and all this kind of good stuff and i would sit there and tell myself no cannot do anything else even if i had a cool idea even if i had an idea pop up in my head i wouldn't write it i'd be like ah, i'm not gonna do that because it's not me and i was like who the hell are you you're nobody dude you know, like, you know what i mean like just be creative if you think of a really unique idea if it's if it's a romance movie you know, and uh, then write it. If it's a good idea and you really want to, you know, see it written, then do it. And don't sit there and, and tell yourself, I have to make it by the time I'm some odd years old. You know, a book really messed me up, and I blame it, is uh, that Rebel Without a Crew crap from Robert <laughs> Roberts. Yeah. I'm 23 years old. Uh, whatever, you know. So, hey, you read a book like that when you're 18 and you're like, oh, God, I got to make movies before I'm 25. Right. And then that's, I would, I would go back in time and say, just chill out, man. You're not even ready to make a film. Not a real, not a good one. You're not old enough. You haven't lived long enough. That's yeah. right. I'd say give yourself some time. Don't uh, rush it. Is, yeah. Yeah. Don't rush it. Yeah. I think that's interesting, Derek, because something I see from you is like, and probably happens to a lot of filmmakers, and that, that's kind of my advice. Don't be too hard on yourself, right? Like, you can always rebound. You can always pick back up. You can always get another chance at something. 
And so don't, if you end up doing something that you don't like, well, just do it again and do it better. And so, cause you can do it. You have the opportunity to do it better. And I think that's where Derek's getting at there. Um, and I think that advice uh, from Robert is like, I think that's the best. Just go out and make a movie, go do it. Because that's when you just don't know and do it. Um, Final question. Is making yeah. movies hard? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> extremely hard. <laughs> It's not hard at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> a movie uh, will I'm, I'm, test you and test you. And like, man, you get to really see, and not you, test anybody, everybody involved in the movie, every position of a film is hard. Like for everybody working in that position. And I think that's one thing I try to do as well is don't, I mean, everybody's got a job and everybody's trying to do their best or they should be. And so if you see, something that's not going the way you think it should go well that doesn't mean that they're not doing a good job that's just you looking outside the box and not knowing what somebody's going through or dealing with so that's if you can get in there and try to break it down smaller right not just try to see it from outside like go there do that position go talk to that person and say hey how can i help you what's what's happening because you may find out some stuff that's going on that you had no idea about and i, I think from a producer standpoint that that happens a lot um I don't know why I was going down that rabbit hole, but it's hard. It's extremely hard. Like people just don't know what's happening. I think going back to what Jason said earlier was, was another, when he talked about his advice uh, was finding good people. Um, I think that makes it less hard. I mean, you know, and I know that sounds like a, well, duh, but you know, you, you get wrapped up in a, in a situation where you make some films and then, you know, you're with a certain group of people and, uh, when you realize you're just not having fun, which is what happened to me, um, you kind of, it's like uh, going through kind of like a divorce in a way. It's hard, but it's just like, this isn't working out. I got to find new people to work with because we don't see eye to eye. And when you find those people, um, and again, we've only done two films to, uh, as a group, not just Jason and me, but the people. That, so we don't know everything, but I mean, look, right now it feels like it's getting less hard, even though all the things We're getting really on. close with our crew right now. And yeah, unfortunately just, for Boone, that's going to be a whole new world because that movie we're going to shoot up in Washington and we want the incentive, the incentive, the incentives from the film work in Washington. And that yeah. means crewing 75% of Washingtonians. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Which we're going to. Hard. <laughs> yeah. So Which is hard. Kind of step out go. of our, <laughs> our little box. So that makes it hard again because we, yeah. we got used to working with you know, the guys that we knew, girls that we knew, and now we're. You'll be back. <laughs> You'll come back. Yeah, we'll be back. We'll be oh, back for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank we'll you for being on the show. Where can people find the two of you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if people want to get in contact or like geographically, or you know, no, no, yeah. no website, no Twitter. Oh. Uh, yeah, my Instagram is jstarn, J S T A R N E. Uh, we have a website for Redstone that we need to start working on now. Um, I don't know. Whitetailfilm.com. Whitetailfilm.com. You can see the trailer for Whitetail there. I mean, I think it has, I don't know if it has contact, but it has our names and stuff. I think my contact's on IMDb Pro or something. I can't Yeah, mine mine as well. Um, I'm not a very good social media guy, so. Same, same here. I don't even have Facebook. I got off of that, so. Um, Yeah, I don't have that either. It's necessary, and and maybe someday we'll resurrect some social for us, but uh, I don't know. Um, But look, 
I am happy to talk to anyone that wants to reach out for anything. I mean, I've been in post for a long, long time and I'm happy to help people like that. That's kind of my role too. Is like, I'm, I help a lot of people and I want to help people. So and Derek's the same way. So if anybody wants to get in touch with us, you guys can share any info as well. Yeah. You're I'm gonna excited. You're going to get a hundred, you're going to get a hundred emails now. You know? <laughs> so I'm Jason at jstarn.com. There you go. <laughs> Presley.derek at yahoo.com. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Really this has been great. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyed yeah, it, guys. Awesome, a lot of fun. Man. You guys are great. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to Derek Presley and Jason Starn for being on the show and talking about uh, all the film projects they're doing during the pandemic, which, I mean, <laughs> makes me jealous. And I'm sure lots of other filmmakers also jealous. Um, but no, it's like, it just says, hey, you can do it too. So there's nothing standing in the way of us uh, for making movies. You just have to go to a small town in Texas to do it, I guess. <laughs> you can also check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. Uh, if you want to get in, t- in contact with us directly, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. If you have like a question or a suggestion or, oh, you just made a, a short film and you want to have us talk about it on the show, forget shorty. All good reasons to email us. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MMIH Podcast. I am RFB on Twitter and Instagram. Liz, where are you? I'm Liz Manichel on Twitter. Um, cl- crawling towards 2,000 followers. And Liz Ooh. Manichel Film on Instagram. Nice. Get that 2K. Um, and please, if you like the show, tell a friend, help us get the word out, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And thanks to listening. And thanks to, I guess, me for editing this episode. Thanks, Alric. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.